is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, All right, let's get going. Let's jump right in. Jim Pasaki at the White House today asked again, what if Andrew Cuomo refuses to resign? Does the president believe he should be impeached? Now, this is relevant to something. Stick with me. Stick with me. I know what I'm doing. Cut 10, go. If the the governor refuses to resign, does the president want to see him impeached and removed from office? The president made clear yesterday that Governor Cuomo should resign, and I believe we should start with that. There's obviously a process that's going to proceed, and leaders in New York spoke to that yesterday. We'll leave it to them to speak to that, but the president believes Governor Cuomo should do the right thing, resign, uh, and leave space for future leadership uh, in New York. Okay. Now, I've been saying behind this microphone for a long time, including with exclamation marks last evening. What about Joe Biden and Tara Reid? Tara Reid. Tara Reid. Never. Never got her opportunity for an investigation of Joe Biden relating to her allegations, which are very, very serious. As a matter of fact, as I went through this and I looked at at the allegations of the 11 women, some of their allegations, obviously, more serious than others. What Tara Reid alleges is more serious than what any of the women in the Cuomo case allege. Any of them. Now, it all falls under the rubric of sexual harassment, but in the case of Tara Reid, it falls under the heading of rape. It falls under the heading of rape. And so we have a New York Post White House correspondent, Stephen Nelson. I want to congratulate him. He must be listening, but he certainly had the guts to raise it. The first one at the press briefing today with Jen Psaki. Cut nine, go. 
in a follow-up to the report on Governor Cuomo's sexual harassment, a lot of men in politics have been accused of sexual harassment. Uh, President Biden was accused by female Secret Service agents of skinny dipping in front of them, offending them, according to former Washington Post reporter Ronald Kessler, who's an author as well. Uh, his former Senate aide, Tara Reid, accused him of sexual assault. Uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times have published multiple accounts of women who objected to the way President Biden touched them. Uh, should there be an independent investigation of allegations into the president as there was into Governor Now Obama? let's stop right there. This is a serious reporter. This is a real reporter asking a real question. And the media ignore it, just like the media ignores so much. Just like they ignored allegations about Cuomo before, allegations about Clinton before. All right, go ahead. Let's hear Pasaki's answer. Well, first, I would say um, the president has been clear and outspoken about the importance of women uh, being uh, respected and having their voices heard and being allowed to tell their stories and people treating them with respect. That has long been his policy, continues to be his policy. And nobody Uh, asked if uh, what his policy is or what he said. He said, should there be an independent investigation? He did list all the instances, but I'm focused specifically on Tara Reid. Because what he's alleged by Tyree to have done is rape. It goes beyond touching a shoulder, sniffing hair. What she alleges was done to her when she was in her 20s by Senator Biden. The molestation is rape. I believe in using the English language and being very plain about it. Go ahead. Those were, that was heavily litigated during the campaign. I understand you're eager to come back to it, uh, but I don't have anything further other than to repeat that he has called for uh, the governor it, it to wasn't, resign. It wasn't heavily litigated during the campaign, whatever that means, heavily litigated during the campaign. There were a few people who questioned. And to her credit, Mika Brzezinski was one of the few. To her credit, Mika Brzezinski was one of the few. And there was a hit-and-run job by the New York Times. Pretty much that was it. One article, two articles here and there. But nobody called for an investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office, which would be at the federal level, the equivalent of the Attorney General of New York's office. Nobody asked for that. And as you can see, they don't want that. It's interesting to me how Joe Biden has said he should resign He doesn't want to get into the weeds. He doesn't want to talk about it anymore. When it comes to impeachment, he says, you know, you got to leave that to the Assembly in New York. So Joe Biden's done talking about it. He's done talking about it. And there's a reason Joe Biden's done talking about it, because he doesn't want the finger pointed at him and because he doesn't want an independent investigation. And I remember when the Tara Reid issue came up, they basically kept attacking Donald Trump. And I remember when the Cuomo stuff came up early on, they basically kept attacking Donald Trump. And as we now know, Cuomo and his people were planting that this was a Donald Trump smear. But we've never, quote-unquote, litigated the issue with Tara Reid and Joe Biden. 
And if we're to believe every woman, how can you possibly believe Tara Reid and Joe Biden at the same time? Since they say exactly the opposite thing. He claims to barely remember her. Now, I remember what Joe Biden did to Clarence Thomas. That set up how he tried to smear Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas would have none of it. But he was close, Biden, in succeeding in what he was doing. So all this from Democrats, Democrat women, that you must believe the woman when they make an allegation. But they don't believe Tyree. And there's never been an investigation. No, it wasn't litigated, quote-unquote, during the campaign. Let alone heavily litigated. So the question should be posed to Joe Biden if they ever get a chance to ask the question. Now, whether it's a reporter from the New York Post or a reporter from Fox News, they will be drowned out by the rest of the media who do not want to pursue this, who want to protect Joe Biden, the way they wanted to originally protect Cuomo. The way they always try and protect Democrats. Only when it's reached a point of no return. Now we have the Washington Compost and the New York Times calling for Cuomo to resign. Only now. Not when all those people died in nursing homes. Wasn't his fault. No, no, no. Not his fault. Not his fault. Now the New York Times, of course... Still hasn't written an editorial apologizing to the entire world for 1932, for its cover-up of the Holocaust and its its bureaucracy from Berlin, who was sympathetic to Hitler, for imposing on the Cuban people. Castro hasn't apologized for a damn thing. But it asks that Cuomo resign. Okay, fair enough. Cuomo should resign. Of course, he should resign. Doesn't mean he will, but he should. Northam, the governor of Virginia, should have resigned. Fairfax, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, should have resigned. He was accused of rape by two credible women. Remember, believe the women. The attorney general of Virginia should have resigned. Another guy with blackface. I don't know what it is with these Democrat politicians and their hoods and the blackface, but there you have it. But all three of them are in office, and Terry McAuliffe has sought their endorsement, all of them. And he has endorsed them for the various offices they're running for. But you see the piling on against Cuomo. I'm not against it. I'm just pointing it out. And yet, do not touch. Just tippy-toe around Biden. No, don't, don't mention Joe. Joe was in Washington a very, very long time. And here's the thing. If you molest one young staffer, I'm just saying this, it typically is not a one-off. From what I've read about psychopaths and so forth, it's typically not a one-off. But women are afraid to come forward, particularly against Democrats, particularly against powerful Democrats. And as we saw with Hillary Clinton, the candidate, the FBI and others will do anything they can to protect these people until they reach a point of no return. Letitia James is not a good government attorney general. She is as radical left as they come. She's not really a Democrat. Not really a Democrat. 
she's as radical kook as they come, absolutely unhinged. I don't know how she has her law license after she ran for office the way she did, talking about Trump the way she did. Well, I do know, because it's New York. The only Yank, you know, Rudy Giuliani. But now we are told there are four district attorneys in the state of New York who have asked for the materials to open criminal, potentially, investigations. But Letitia James never partnered with a single district attorney and said, we're opening up a criminal investigation, the way she did against Trump world with the idiot Vance, the DA in Manhattan. She didn't do that. She didn't do that at all. She's not some great player here that helped expose all this. No, she's not. The two investigators, as far as I can tell, were federal investigators who she had to bring in. Now, these, these Democrat attorneys general, like the Democrat judges, they twist the law, they bend the law, they spin the law, they do whatever they can to advance their cause. Letitia James didn't do that in this case, let alone partner with a DA to conduct a criminal investigation. She didn't do any of it. In fact, she said her job is done. Her job is done. She only went so far and no further. So Cuomo should resign. Letitia James, she issued a report. But her job isn't to issue reports. Her job is to bring charges. If charges are necessary, if charges are merited. She said Cuomo violated numerous federal and state statutes. That's what she said. I have the recording. I played it twice. And yet she's sitting around waiting for local DAs. Didn't partner with a single one of them. New York is so damn corrupt, it's not even funny. Then you have this idiot, DiCamio, who's demanding that Cuomo resign and face criminal charges. Now, DiCamio and Cuomo have always hated each other's guts. But here's DiCuomo. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Here's de Blasio, who, in my view, is also responsible for many deaths in the city of New York, for destroying education in the city of New York, for destroying the city of New York, for embracing Marxists like Black Lives Matter, for undermining the NYPD. The whole bunch of these bastards should resign. I'll be right back. You know, sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, especially that deep, comforting sleep. Go to helixsleep.com, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com, and take the sleep quiz. I took it and was matched to the Midnight Lux. Helix knows that everyone's unique, so they have several different mattress models to match your body type and sleep preferences. Once you match, your mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. They have a 10-year warranty, and Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash Levin, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash L-E-V-I-N, and use code HELIXPARTNER20. That's HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long, folks. With Helix, better sleep starts now.
Well, there you have that. I'm not going to spend all night on Cuomo in New York. New York is a very critical state. New York City is a very critical city. But Washington, D.C. is utterly out of control and is trying to devour what's left of the red states, the red towns, private property rights, and you name it. We have a town on the southern border in Texas called McAllen, Texas. We have a wonderful affiliate there, too. McAllen, Texas is getting crushed. Absolutely crushed. It's too bad the Democrats who live in these northern states don't live in McAllen, Texas. McAllen, Texas has had to declare a state of emergency and a state of disaster because Biden dumped 1,500 illegal aliens with COVID into the state, into the city last week. As reported by Bill Mulligan, the city of McAllen, Texas, says the federal government has released over 7,000 COVID-positive migrants into their city since February, including over 1,500 newly infected migrants in just the last week alone. A local state of disaster in McAllen has been declared. This guy, Bill Mulligan, deserves a Pulitzer Prize. But, of course, even that committee has been prostituted. He says, on Monday, we watched Border Patrol drop off busloads of migrants in downtown McAllen all day long. Every 30 minutes, hundreds release in front of us. Another reporter asked uh, Mulligan how they knew the illegals are infected. He explains that a third-party vendor tests them once they are dropped off in McAllen. And uh, that's how he knows. The American Medical Response, it's called. Test them once, they are dropped off in McAllen. And that's how they got the information. Now, last Friday, I said that the Republicans need to start talking about impeaching Joe Biden. The low IQ backbenchers, not a lot, just a few of them, regurgitated that. That's probably a good thing, although nobody hears them. Nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not going to be, if you're going to be impeached for anything, isn't this a good reason that a president of the United States is endangering the health, the welfare of the American people and putting politics ahead of his country? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'll keep mentioning it. Some more of the low IQ backpenchers will regurgitate it. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. 
Levin. Making conservatism great again. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. Well, every uh, Wednesday between 5 and 5.15, I get a call or an email. Uh, while you have a book that's for sale. And I got an email earlier today, about an hour, oh, 20 minutes ago, that indicated that you folks have made American Marxism, again, three weeks in a row, the number one book in America. The number one book in America. The number one hardback nonfiction, the number one combination ebook. Hardback nonfiction, however you want to measure it. And I can tell you there's a company called BookScan that determines how many books are sold in a given period of time. Now they're always a little slow. So that number will come out tomorrow. But it will not include Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. And moments ago, based on my publisher's calculations, American Marxism in hard copy, ebook, and audio in, th- in a little over three weeks. It's actually three weeks. Today's Wednesday. It came out on a Tuesday. Has sold over 700,000 copies. 700,000 copies. Now, I talked briefly about this yesterday. I'll talk briefly about it today, then we'll move on. The academic year is beginning. The academic year is beginning for college and university students, and it's beginning for public school students. We all know what's going on on our college campuses. And those of you who've read American Marxism, you know better than anybody. There must be intellectual pushback on the indoctrination that's occurring in our colleges and universities. There must be intellectual pushback, pushback of ideas. They're not going to get it there. There is no academic freedom. If there's somebody who hasn't thrown in with the Marxist professors, they're a freak of nature. They're a very rare exception. And many of you have asked me, what can we do? Well, perhaps you've purchased a copy of American Marxism for yourself, which is a great thing, and I can't thank you enough, but it's important. Well, perhaps you should purchase one for a student who's going into college or university so they can take it with them. So when they're confronted with Marxism in its various iterations, whether it's critical race theory, whether it's LATCRIT, whether it's so-called climate change, the degrowth movement, or whatever it is, they will be in a position to open the book, read about it, and if they choose, confront the professor, at least raise some questions, but at least in their own minds not be brainwashed and indoctrinated. You've heard people call here. They've lost their kids when they've gone to colleges and universities. There's no need for this. There are millions of us who can push back. This book is $16.80. College tuition is tens of thousands of dollars. Some people come up to me and they'll say something like, 
Well, you know what? Um, This book should be required in colleges and universities. It's not going to be required in colleges and universities. They're the enemy, for the most part, with one or two, three exceptions. But the way this book could be on colleges and universities, an enormous number of them, is through you. Is giving it to neighbors, friends, family members who are going to colleges and universities and saying, please, take this with you. That's how we get this book. Not through compelling it, but this is how we get the book on colleges and universities. You know, it's really quite remarkable when you think about it in, in, in a very odd way. We are trying to get debate, free speech, ideas on the college campuses and universities rather than the brainwashing and indoctrination that takes place. And the only way we can really do that is to arm students with this book, American Marxism. So I want to strongly encourage you to do that. Secondly, we've seen the brave, brave parents and others attend these school board meetings. If you have a son or a daughter who's in high school, or who's going into high school, this book is not going to be handed out as a text in any school system in America that's run by the NEA and the AFT and the educational bureaucrats. There's no way, because it criticizes them. That doesn't mean you can't make sure that these kids have them. Whether you're homeschooling or have some kind of alternative school um, uh, plan for your kids. How about these kids going into these public schools? We pay for them. Can you imagine if they show up with American Marxism? Could you imagine if they've, they've started to read it even before they go into these schools? I want to encourage as many of you as possible to take control of this as best you can. And this is one way to do it. This is one way to fight back. It truly is. I hope you'll consider that. And finally, if you're considering a signed edition of this book, limited edition, first edition, you really do need to hurry. I just saw those numbers. You can go to premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. They have sold out 80, 89%. 11% of them are left. 11%. That's it. In other words, 1,100 of them are left. That's it. That's premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. Premiercollectibles.com slash Marxism. There are no more. When these are gone, they're gone. All right, there's a lot to get to, and I want to get to this. Because if I don't, nobody will. Rashida Talib was at the National Convention of Democratic Socialists of America, the DSA, yesterday. These are Marxists dressed up as something else. Now, I've told you many times that Marxists not only hate America, they're anti-Semitic. And you might say Marx was a Jew. No, Marx was an atheist. He was a self-hating Jew. But we're talking about all kinds of people, all kinds of backgrounds, who throw in with these, these organizations. 
And I am sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired of the tolerance and the passivity of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. I'm sick and tired of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and their silence. I'm sick and tired of the American media, the corrupt American media, who put up with this. We have people calling for the resignation of Cuomo. We should. But there's other reasons that these politicians should resign, too. And Rashida Tlaib is one of them. She is a Hamas-supporting, anti-American, anti-Semite Marxist. Second-generation Palestinian. Here's what she said. Hat tip Twitter, cut one, go. We also need to recognize, and this is for me as a Palestinian-American, we also need to recognize, you know, as I think about my family and Palestine, that uh, continue to live under military occupation and how that really interacts with this beautiful black city I grew up in. You know, I always tell people cutting people off from water is violence and they do it from Gaza to Detroit. And it's a way to control people, to oppress people. And it's those structures that we continue to fight against. So I know you all understand the structure we've been living under right now is designed by those that exploit the rest of us. For their own profit. And she goes on. And she goes on. Now she's alluding to a global Jewish structure that profits from oppressing people of color. Water is not cut off to Palestinians. Electricity is not cut off to Palestinians unless they're shooting missiles into the cities of Israel as a way for Israel to try and get the terrorists to stop. Short of strafing and carpet bombing these areas, which they could do and wipe out the populations in literally three days. What do you think Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and the other Palestinian terrorists would do if they could? Exactly that. Now, this woman has talked about pushing Israel into the sea. This woman talks about military occupation. It's impossible for the indigenous peoples of Judea and Samaria to have a military occupation of their own ancestral home. Her poison and cancer is spreading throughout the Democrat Party. And it's not only tolerated, but celebrated. You may recall Joe Biden on a tarmac a month or so ago, embracing her, celebrating her, praising her. It's really quite shocking. This is the Democrat Party. Now, the media do not condemn the Democrat Party because the media are of the Democrat Party. The media do not condemn Talib because they agree with Talib. The New York Times has a history, a real history. So does CNN, so does MSNBC, so does the Washington Post. They have a history in this regard. I don't care what the so-called faith is of the people who run them. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I told you all those years I was brought up as a Reformed Jew. Basically, I went to synagogue. Didn't learn a hell of a lot. But we would go on Friday nights, 
And I couldn't wait for the service to end so I could get my sugar cookie and grape juice. I didn't learn a damn thing. If I learned anything, during the course of a one-hour service, I got 30 minutes of liberal political tripe. And that's the nature of the people who run the New York Times and so forth. Not Orthodox Jews and, and, and that sort of... And that sort of uh, those sort of people who believe in faith. Same with the Catholics. Here you have Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. They are the two biggest radicals when it comes to abortion on the face of the planet. Federal dollars for abortion on demand, including late-term abortion. They don't give a damn what your belief is. You pay into the pot. You have no say. That clearly violates the tenets of the Catholic faith, as it does, by the way, the Jewish faith and the Muslim faith. Doesn't matter. Politics is their faith. So here we have Rashida Talib, elected from Detroit, Michigan, in John Conyers' old seat. Truly poisonous. Truly a cancer. Her parents come to the United States of their own free will. And she spends her time as an offspring of those parents. Undermining this nation in every possible way. Well, now what does that tell you about what she's been taught? What does that tell you? about what they would do to the state of Israel when she's in Congress trying to do the same to the United States. What does that tell you? Nobody dare stand up to her but me. Nobody dare call her out but me. And Omar? Yes, Omar too. Really quite disgusting. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. about Iran. There was an article in a far newspaper that said Iran is literally one to two months away from having a nuclear weapon. They are speeding as fast as they can. They've got billions more than they did than they had uh, before as a result of uh, Joe Biden taking office and pressuring some of our allies to give them some some money. And they are still negotiating with Iran to negotiate over the Iran deal. Iran blew a tanker out of the water, which was managed by the Israelis, killing a Brit and a Romanian. Our Secretary of State has announced that he'll leave it up to Britain to figure out how to respond to that. Can you imagine? So we have an appeaser here in the name of Joe Biden, 
and his clownish Secretary of State, and we have an appeaser in Israel by the name of Naftali Bennett, surrounded by fools like Lapid and so forth. The days of Trump and Netanyahu, where this would be intolerable, apparently are over, at least for now. And by the way, as I said yesterday, it would be nice if some of the individuals who served in the Trump administration and worked so hard against the Iranian regime and worked so hard with the Israeli-American defense situation would speak up now. I hear nothing except from me. Nothing. So there's a great reporter from the Associated Depressed. His name is Matt Lee. He's been covering the State Department for as long as I can remember. I never met him. I don't know him. I don't know his politics. I don't care. It's not like Jim Acosta where he wears his politics on his face. Pretty ugly. And so Matt Lee wants to know, is there anything at all the Iranians could do to stop you from negotiating with them? Anything? Cut to go. But the bottom line, uh, my they, question... That, that Iran has license, feels that it has license, I should say, right. to do these things that in many cases it was not doing before. Let me try to get an answer to the yeah. question that I asked at the beginning, which was just, is there anything that you can think of that they could do, or they would do, that would make you uninterested in returning to, or that would, that would, that would take, take the offer of returning to the Vienna talks off the table? I, I am not going to weigh in on uh, a hypothetical, on a, on a blue sky hypothetical at, at that. What I would say is that it will always be in the interest of the United States of America to see to it that Iran is permanently and verifiably prevented from obtaining a nuclear weapon. It is hard for me to imagine, again, without being categorical about this. Uh, to Unbelievable. In other words, the answer is no. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 3811. I want to play, thanks to Newsbusters, the montage of White House reporters uh, who are so corrupt that uh, they would embarrass any dictatorship or Marxist regime. That's how corrupt they are. I want you to listen to this as these frauds, these absolute buffoons, do their very best to try and trash Ron DeSantis in particular. Uh, but also uh, Abbott in Texas, but mostly DeSantis. They're very worried about DeSantis, so they want to destroy him if they can. They're not going to succeed, of course. And a hat tip to our buddy Ben Shapiro, who tweeted out a chart that has received an enormous amount of attention. I remember we used this chart a few months back, but Ben deserves the credit here, showing that Florida was at the bottom of the list of the number of deaths per 100,000 from the coronavirus, and Texas was the second bottom, second from the bottom of the list. New Jersey was number one, New York was number two, and so forth and so on. 
But listen to this. Cut six, go. Governor DeSantis in Florida is taking a very different approach than New York is. Uh, Florida just hit another record today of COVID cases, and yet he's pushing back on local uh, municipalities that are trying to impose. Notice they talk about COVID cases and hospitalizations. They don't talk about deaths. And, of course, they never talk about illegal immigration and the effect that has on states like Texas and Florida, which is enormous. Go ahead mask mandates and, and other means of, of keeping people protected. Does the White House have any reaction to Governor DeSantis and particularly to his point that this is just seasonal in Florida? President ruled out additional shutdowns uh, related to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious because that was an intervention that was used um, successfully to help uh, places like New York City mm-hmm. um, when they had um, hospital capacity issues. Now we see hospitalization rates at their highest level since February. Why would you, why would the White House, why would the president rule that out? Um, and, and is that consistent with your commitment to be led by, by science rather than politics? It was just a little over a month ago that the president traveled down to Surfside he actually sat side by side with Governor DeSantis. They both praised one another um, for their respective uh, handling of the disaster situation there. I'm wondering if there has been any further direct communication between the president and the governor, and might the president consider speaking with the governor specifically about uh, what we're seeing in terms of the rise in the hospitalizations and this developing situation with COVID-19? And shied away from calling out, for instance, social media companies for uh, their roles in the spread of disinformation, for instance. Um, does, he, does he feel that Governor DeSantis bears responsibility for a situation re- with regard to hospitalizations that, that is an outlier compared to the rest of the country? It feels like we're dancing around an issue here, which is how much are Governor DeSantis and Abbott directly responsible for what's happening right now, given that 50 million people live in those two states that are, I think Jeff said yesterday, one-third of all infections last week were there. So. How much personal responsibility do they they bear? Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Wouldn't you die for a media like that on our side? I mean, we don't really have a media, quote-unquote, on our side that dresses up as independent journalism. This is why there's such frauds and so corrupt. Absolutely repulsive in every respect. The enemy of the people, they're worse than the enemy of the people. They're the enemy of, of our country. They undermine our First Amendment. They undermine the country. They know it. They just don't give a damn. They are what they are. Now, DeSantis has responded to this. I'm trying to find the cuts, Mr. Producer. Maybe you can remind me here. There we go. And let's start at a press conference today that he had. Cut three, go. So his vision is, just like in New York City... Restaurants should ban young kids from being able to go in because they're not eligible for vaccination. And law-abiding citizens have to produce proof of their medical records just to go to the gym or attend an event or just to participate in everyday society. He wants that, but yet if you want to vote, he thinks it's too much of a burden to show a picture ID when you're voting. So no voter ID, but have to show your medical papers just to be able to live an everyday life? Give me a break. And so I think the question is, is we can either have a free society or we can have a biomedical security state. And I can tell you, Florida, we're a free state. 
People are going to be free to choose to make their own decisions about themselves, about their families, about their kids' education, and about putting food on the table. And Joe Biden suggests that if you don't do lockdown policies, then you should, quote, get out of the way. But let me tell you this. If you're coming after the rights of parents in Florida, I'm standing in your way. I'm not going to let you get away with it. Amen. Amen. But he wasn't done. Cut four, go. If you're trying to deny kids a proper in-person education, I'm going to stand in your way, and I'm going to stand up for the kids in Florida. If you're trying to restrict people, impose mandates, if you're trying to ruin their jobs and their livelihoods and their small business, if you are trying to lock people down, I am standing in your way, and I'm standing for the people of Florida. So why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Amen. <laughs> Hat tip, right scoop, and amen. Terrific. Absolutely terrific. Now, you saw the media there in full display. Full display. Well, it just so happens I had this in my repertoire of articles from our friends at uh, the Daily Wire. NPR announces journalists will now be allowed to openly engage in political activism by Ben Johnson. I'm sure Media Matters will be very upset about this. Taxpayers are raising renewed calls to defund National Pubic Radio, as I have for years, after they announced that journalists can now openly advocate for a litany of hot-button political topics. Last month, NPR loosened its ethics policy, which long prevented correspondents from taking a public position on controversial or polarizing issues or participating in politically-themed demonstrations, NPR public editor Kelly McBride announced on July 29. The new policy eliminates the blanket prohibition from participating in marches, rallies, and public events, as well as vague language that directed NPR journalists to avoid personally advocating for controversial polarizing issues. She went on. The new NPR policy reads, NPR editorial staff may express support for democratic civic values that are core to NPR's work, such as, but not limited to, the freedom and dignity of human beings, the rights of a free and independent press, the right to thrive in society without facing discrimination on the basis of race, ethnicity, gender, sexual identity, disability, or religion. How about conservatism or constitutionalism? Is it okay to march in a demonstration and say Black Lives Matter? What about a gay pride parade? In theory, the answer today is yes, wrote McBride. NPR's newly adopted position conflicts with the Society of Professional Journalists' Code of Ethics which holds that that reporters should avoid political and other outside activities that may compromise integrity or impartiality or may damage credibility. NPR's new open bias policy will bolster many of its journalists. For example, NPR's Mara Lyerson compared Antifa rioters to U.S. veterans storming Obama Beach on, excuse me, Omaha Beach on D-Day. But the flexibility it allows bosses to determine appropriate activism could muzzle center-right NPR employees. Theoretically, letting NPR journalists advocate for the dignity of human beings means they could take part in the annual March for Life, proclaim the personhood of unborn children on social media, giving NPR reporters the right to advocate for Americans facing discrimination on the basis of religion means correspondents could express support for masterpiece cake owner Jack Phillips, right? 
Washington Flores, Baron Al Stutzman, and former Kentucky County Clerk Kim Davis. In reality, though, this new policy does not mean anything goes. McBride noted that NPR personalities would still have to discuss specific decisions with their bosses, whose bias has been clear for years. For example, in 2018, Morning Editor reporter Rachel Martin derisively called the nation's largest pro-life event the so-called March for Life. She later apologized. The following year, NPR issued an official guidance reminder that journalists should never say the phrase, the unborn, declaring babies are not babies until they are born. They were also told to replace the clear term partial birth abortion with intact dilation and extraction. And they were forbidden from using any wording that would result in the phrase pro-abortion being uttered on the air. NPR also engaged in erroneous reporting about the pro-life group Live Action. Despite letting newscaster protest religious discrimination, Catholic League President William Donahue cited numerous examples of NPR coverage that he sees as anti-Catholic. But thanks to the federally funded agency's new policy, Donahue is asking all Americans to cut off the spigot. Okay, as have I. As have I. The late Congressman Phil Crane, great man, the former chairman of the American Conservative Union, regularly introduced bills to defund and then abolish the Corporation for Public Broadcasting in the 90s over its biased coverage and lack of clear constitutional authorization. The Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the fully taxpayer-funded entity which funds NPR, reports an an annual budget of almost half a billion dollars. Half a billion dollars. There's an entire chapter in American Marxism, Chapter 6. Those of you who have the book, I encourage you to go there. Those of you who have Unfreedom of the Press, I encourage you to go there too. See, I don't write books about myself. I don't write books touting things that don't matter. And that chapter is called Propaganda, Censorship, and Subversion. Now, all the various departments in our colleges and universities have been devoured by these American Marxist movements, but in particular, the education departments and the journalism departments lead the way. They are the most radicalized of them all, as you'll see when you read the book. And that's for a reason, right? Right? It's about brainwashing, indoctrination. It's about repetition. It's about the big lie. Controlling minds. Controlling what's said to be news that people watch every day and every night. It's a very, very powerful tool. And that's why free speech is now attacked. That's why they've enlisted big tech happily. And that's what's going on in this country. I'll be right back. Mark like these songs. Anyway, let's jump into some of the calls here. John Green Bay, Wisconsin on the Mark Levin app. John, how are you? I'm good, Mark. How are you? Very well. How's your football I, uh, team doing? I, you know, uh, I hate football. I mean, ever uh, since these guys won't stand up for flag, don't even get me started on that. The I agree with you on that, but this guy Rogers and the team don't seem to be getting along. Oh, and your answer that. is, hmm. who gives a damn? I don't blame you. 
Go right ahead, John. Exactly. I grew up a Bears fan anyway. I want to contrast the media's <laughs> eagerness and zeal to go after, uh, you know, go after the Santos with uh, DeSantis, yeah, Mr. Cuomo out in New York, yeah, with Mr. Oh, yeah. Cuomo in New York. You want to talk mm-hmm. about a difference? It, it's and and Ben Ben Shapiro yesterday on your show was amazing. Yes, his, he's great. His, you know, take on the media completely agree with it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. And, you know, it took this report, apparently, for the media to finally demand that Cuomo resign. Meanwhile, 13,000 nursing home deaths, a significant percentage of which are due to his policies, uh, they didn't demand that he resign then. The Department of Justice Civil Rights Division didn't think it was enough to even investigate. And not just him, these Democrat governors throughout the country who have blood on their hands, and who Biden praises for their, their willingness to lock down and do all these other things. This is why DeSantis and some of the others object to what's going on here. Uh, they're busy trying to save lives. They don't believe in the iron fist. The iron fist never works. But this is really quite amazing, isn't it? The nursing homes, what took place in the nursing That's a story that was broken simultaneously in the news pages of the Wall Street Journal and on this program. When we had, uh, I forget the, the young lady's name, Mr. Producer, the woman who called uh, the, the um, Healy, that's right, Elaine Healy, I think it was. Elaine Healy who called, it was the director of uh, uh, medical care at a particular nursing home, and told us, called the program, a great hero, and told us what the memo was. And I remember, Mr. Producer, we got to pull that up. We, are we able to pull that up for hour three? or, or, or We're going to pull this up in hour three and play it. And I want you to know, folks, we heard crickets, despite all the people who tried. Remember what I said? They said nothing. In fact, we, our little group here, we were saying to ourselves, where is everybody? This is horrific what's taking place. But you're very, very right, Green Bay. Now, by the way, uh, are you a cheesehead? Heck no, Mark. May I say I'm not no, either. I'm, lact- I like- I, I, I'm lactose intolerant, sir. <laughs> Amen. Even when I liked, uh, liked football... I was a Walter Payton man. He was a great man. He really was the greatest. All right. Thank you, my friend. You take care. Walter Payton. Died awfully young, didn't he? It's too bad. I don't watch this stuff anymore. Although, with that wrestler, we played that clip for you last night. That African-American lady whose father was uh, from Ghana. And he had passed away when she was in high school. And she's a faithful Christian. Loves this country. And I'm going to tell you something. So many people who migrate to this country legally love this country. But then there are the Omars and the Talibs. The country opens its arms wide to Omar, who was stuck in refugee camp in her home country of Somalia. And she comes into this country... And she hates it. She tries to destroy it from within. That's sick. She's a sicko. And then Talib, whose parents come into this country, the hateful America, a Jew hater, an American hater. And there she is in Congress. Isn't it swell? That's called the progressive wing of the Democrat Party. This is what the news media do. Not the Jew-hating, America-hating, Marxist wing of the Democrat Party, which is an accurate description. An accurate description. I might add Christian-hating, too. That's, this is an 
accurate description. No, the, the progressive wing, excuse me, you hear this for white supremacy, white this, this, this. What about them? No, 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 no. They're progressive. That's why we reject that term here. No, they are Marxists. They are hateful, contemptible, poisonous Marxists. Oh, look at this. We have the, uh, the progressive wing of the Democrat Party. What do they call them again? The, uh, the squad. Like it's a sporting event. They're the squad. No, they're not. They're the reprobates. Reprobates. That's what they are. All right. I'll be right back. Says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. There's our main. Don't you miss President Trump? I miss President Trump. I really do. The country was hopping. Things were moving in the right direction. You knew he loved America, the American people. You knew he would do right by us. Now we have a quizzling. A man who, uh, who loses brain tissue on a daily basis and a quizzling. Unbelievable. And the disgusting media. Neptune, New Jersey, the great WABC. Martin, how are you? And by the way, let's not forget to give everybody a signed book. Maybe I forgot. All right. Um, I wanted, can you hear me okay? What? Can you hear me okay? Is this Marty? Yes, yes. Listen, the observation that you made about 15 minutes ago about the left and the media being vicious and a wish that we had that is the most important, fun, most fundamental observation that I've been on screaming about for years. What you just said is so important. It's the core of the whole thing. I'm jealous that they have that. I, I, I'm so jealous of them that they, that they have the, that they're so vicious. I'm from Brooklyn, old school. I no way. This this Biden and, and Kamala Harris, they, they're satanic. They're going to go. They're going to rot in hell. Mm-hmm. These people. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I wanted. To, I'm so excited. Your observation was 100. percent is the most well, important observation of all the talk shows. They have the media oh, wow. and they're vicious, and they're willing to be vicious. And we need to be more vicious, more vicious than them, or they will destroy us. Now, don't take offense. You sound a little like Bernie Sanders. You're not Bernie Sanders calling and making a phony phone call, are you? No, I'm not Bernie Sanders. All right, there just want to no make sure. Don't, don't get angry. I just want to make sure. You're Marty, you right? Martin. Population. Yes. What's that? Martin for Bro- I live in Jersey now, but old school Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Old school Brooklyn, and then Bernie Well, Sanders. hold on now. Hold on now. He was old school Brooklyn, too. Did you know him? No, 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 no. no. All right. Believe me, he's going to have to face his. He was the guy. He was the guy on the soapbox in a raincoat, yelling to uh, everybody, "Come over here! Come over here! I have something to show you." And uh, turns out it was a copy of the Communist Manifesto. Answer for is that Schumer and that other guy that was going up against Trump back when they tried to impeach him. That other worm. There were a lot of worms. You mean Cassidy from uh, Louisiana? About. They are vicious. We need to be vicious. That, your show is great. Your observation was the most important <laughs> observation. 
that I have. It's that is my thing. What you brought up is my thing, yes. yeah. and you Thank nailed you. it. That's exactly, well. exactly it. May I may I send you a copy signed of American Marxism, sir? I'd be honored. All right, you hold on. Thank you. Good man, there, folks. Good man. And to whom shall I speak to next, Mister Producer? Yes. Monroe, New York, Diane, W-H-A-M. How are you, Diane? Well, Mark, uh, I have been on hold for quite a while. Congratulations. You can hear the show for free right over the phone. (laughs) Listen, I tune you in all the time. Let me just say that... I do wake up with a silent scream in my throat at what's been happening with such a rapid fire bringing Mm -hmm. our country to its knees. Uh, I I, I must tell you, it's like a physical kick in my Mm -hmm. gut. What I must say is you are, sir, the voice that keeps my head above water. You're you're like the anchor. You're a compass, and you're my so goodness. smooth with your transitions. But listen, sir, yes, I could yes. talk to you, I am sure, for, for an hour. I just mm. want to be very brief and touch upon a few things as I've been listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kumbaya nonsense of letting anybody participate in our government is not going to get us killed. It is getting us killed because mm-hmm. this tribal mentality goes against the founding of this nation. And we are in a most dispirited period that mm-hmm. I, I shake, I tremble sometimes when I listen to the news and I know what's been going on. I've, I've had that feeling that something evil this way comes. When you destroy the spirit of a people by locking them down, by burning the churches with no consequences, wiping the history tableau clean, we are no better. We will be no better than these third world countries and welcome to China where they have no regard for life. They want our resources, our land, our food. They don't give a damn about the people. Henceforth, this bioweapon. But on a serious note, all of these topics, sir, that you are just brilliant at digging to the core is so important. I will leave with a bit of a humorous twist mm-hmm. right back at those you-know-whats who play semantics, playing with words. This mandate Well, I do declare that word itself, mandate, is sexist. (laughs) It has a a forceful air about it. I don't need a man, and I certainly don't want to go on a date with any of those morons like Cuomo. All right, my friend, let me tell you, you are very entertaining. Do not hang, and substantive, do not hang up. We want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. We have the smartest people here, don't we? You in the audience, our callers, the smartest of the smart. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. You know, I don't do talk radio uh, paint by the numbers. You can tell when people do that. I don't do that. You can tell when people don't really like doing this. I love doing this. I wake up every morning, and I want to do my radio show. So for me, this is, this is crucial. It's central. 
I always had this feeling when I was a kid listening to talk radio with my transistor radio after I was told to go to bed. And I had an antenna and I'd have to move it around in order to hear Bob Grant or Gene Shepard or whomever it was. And I tell you, I won the lottery when Rush Limbaugh basically reached out to me and I, we became so close. This, this, is, this is what I love professionally. This is it, talk radio. You can tell those who are going through it just to get through it. And you can tell those who are doing it, but they want to get on to the next thing. That's not me. I do three hours. Ask Mr. Bidus, how many times have I said we could have done five hours? Five hours. Fantastic. And it's because of you. Otherwise, I'd be Bernie Sanders talking to myself in the men's room, you know. Hey, 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 hey. Let's take, uh, hold on now. I'm trying to pull this up, Rich. Give me another one, if you would. Yes. WPHT, my hometown. Robert in Weston, Westtown, Pennsylvania. Go right ahead. Yes. Mark, thanks a lot. I got to tell you, um, just listening to you motivates me and my family. I went out to Barnes & Noble and got the audio book, and it is tremendous. Thank I know you. A, lot of, a lot of the things that you talk about are the book, but this audio book is such a tremendously – you can just see what research you've done. And your first chapter, I'm like just gripping, and I want to play it again and again. And then Jeremy Lowell, I think, is your narrator. Right. He is tremendous also. i, I got to tell you, and, and my sister who has um, difficulty – um, seeing after an accident, I'm getting her one because she can't read. I have a friend who's going to University of Pittsburgh, take his kid back on the turnpike. I'm getting him one. This audio book is phenomenal. That's what I wanted to Thank say. You. There's not much about the content is tremendous, but I don't think enough people have talked about the audio book. And I just think it's tremendous. Now, now, here's the thing. Tell me if you agree now that you've been listening to this. I try to say, and maybe people don't believe me. I can't do this book justice on radio. I can't do the book justice on it. I can't sit here and read it, so I have to summarize what I've written, which I hate to do, but, I mean, I've got to do it. So if people actually listen to the audio or read the book or the e-book, they're going to get a ton more out of it than me just talking on the radio. Are they not? You can tell the truth. Oh, no doubt. And and I've re-listened to Chapter 2 already in my car. I go back. And it's motivated me to read Thomas Paine's Common Sense. I went to Barnes & Noble and picked up another Birth of a Nation. I picked up books because of your book. It kind of reacquainted me. I thought I knew a lot about our country, but you have kind of stirred up uh, the energy and the interest in what should be a revival for this beautiful country. And I want to thank you for all you do and the tremendous audio book. I just, that was my main reason for calling is that this is a, not talked about much. I think it's one of the best I've ever listened wow, to. Wow, well, thank you. Now. Thank you, Robert, and I much, much appreciate that. You take, and don't hang up. We're going to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. The re, there's a reason why uh, we have almost 5,000 comments now. 5,000. And five stars. 4.9 out of 5. Just read the comments. But Robert's point is one I've tried to convey, but it's difficult to convey. Those of you who have the book, you know what I'm talking about. I can't do the book justice by summarizing this or that or reading a paragraph here or there. It flows from one chapter to the next to the next, and then boom, the last chapter. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Well, I'll tell you all a little secret. Every now and then, not that often, my ring finger gets a little swollen up. Has that ever happened to you, Mr. Producer? And so I need to take my wedding ring off for, you know, just for a couple hours or so, that sort of thing. So I did that a few hours ago, and I couldn't find the ring. I could not find my wedding ring. And trust me when I tell you, panic set in. Panic. I have got to find my wedding ring, and I've got to wear it. And I'm right here in the studio. So during the last break, I'm going through the trash. I said, could I put it in the trash by accident? Knocked it off the table. I thought I'd put it on the corner of the table. Nothing. Then I go over and I look in the other room. Nothing. Then I check my pockets. Nothing. Then I check the rest. Nothing. So my daughter comes by. With the grandkids and her husband Nick. And I say, look to the grandkids. I'll give you a buck if you find the ring. Just don't tear the house apart. So literally 15 seconds before I came back on the air after the break, my daughter holds up the ring and says, it was on the chair. It's on my finger. (laughs) And I'm not removing it no matter how much this finger swells. You know what's interesting, Mr. Producer? My father never removed his ring. He never removed his ring. And his, his finger, you know, he sw- it was swollen to the point he couldn't have removed it if he wanted to. And when the time came to say goodbye and to bury him, you know, the folks that do that, that handle the, 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 the technical aspects of that said, you know, here's the ring. I said, no, it stays on his finger. That's how he would want it. Stays on his finger. So that's very, very important. Means a lot. And I meant to tell you something. I will be on Hannity tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be on Hannity tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, wearing my ring, I must tell you. And I want to wear the ring. I love my wife dearly. But every now and then, you know, (laughs) The thinker. Anyway, I talked about this social credit system some time ago. I also cited a an individual who wrote about it in the Hill newspaper. And it's coming to fruition. This infrastructure bill, this is why a 2,700-page bill that you and I do not have an opportunity to review with trillions of dollars in spending is not the way a republic is supposed to work. But it is the way... An autocracy works. Now, as I pointed out in Liberty and Tyranny, we're no longer a federal republic. We're no longer a representative republic, since so much of what's done in this country has nothing to do with our representatives. And we're no really longer a constitutional republic. You just saw Joe Biden, what he did. He said, yes, I know I'm violating the Supreme Court's decision, but we're going to go ahead and, uh, and extend the moratorium, right? And even the Supreme Court saw the violations of the federal constitution of Pennsylvania and wouldn't step in. It'll step in and everything else, what goes on in your bedroom, but not that. The bipartisan infrastructure bill includes a provision that will require auto manufacturers to equip advanced alcohol monitoring systems in all new cars. 
you might say, what's the big, what is the big deal? This constant monitoring, this constant data collection, this constant use of technology against the citizen, that's the problem. We have to stand up for our freedom and our individualism. It's that simple, or we're going to lose it all, step by step. Every day in this country, as the great late Senator Laxalt told me, we lose a little bit of our liberty. But now we lose a lot of our liberty every day. I'll be right back. here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 3811. Well, we touched on this at some length, this moratorium issue yesterday. That the uh, president and the CDC do not have the legal authority to ban landlords from evicting individuals who are not paying their rent. Now, this has been going on for months. And then Biden says, well, we, we approved $50 billion to pay the landlords. Seven billion or 7% of that's been paid out. States are really confounded on exactly how they're supposed to do this. As you can imagine, it's a lot more complex than it seems. Meanwhile, these landlords still have to pay the mortgages, as I explained at some length last evening. And what's happened now is the CDC at the direction of the White House has decided to defy a Supreme Court ruling. Because apparently Lawrence Tribe advised the President of the United States that he could do so. Lawrence Tribe is a washed-up, phony constitutional professor emeritus, or whatever the hell they call them these days. He's a hack, in my humble opinion. And a pretty damn bad one at that. And so even though the Supreme Court was clear that you need legislation, that the CDC is a health organization, it does not have the power to prevent landlords from getting payments so they can make their mortgage payments. And the vast majority of landlords do not own massive apartment complexes. Could be somebody that owns a duplex and they rent out the the, uh, rooms next door. Could be somebody renting out a room in the attic or in the basement, and on and on and on. You understand. Renting out a vacation home. These people are not allowed to collect rent right now. On the say-so of a health bureaucracy that has no legislative power, no independent lawmaking power whatsoever. So this should offend every reporter out there, but it offends none of them. Number one, they're dumbasses. Number two... They're radicals. Private property rights? We're American Marxists. Shh, don't tell anybody. And so they go ahead and they issue this order again. And they're saying, let the law catch up to us. Go back to the Supreme Court. It's summertime. They're really not in session, you know. They're not in session until October 1. This is the advice that the former Harvard professor emeritus jackass 
Lawrence Tribe gave it to the President of the United States, and he thought it was absolutely compelling. We have a president now who's in violation of a Supreme Court order. We have a president who is violating immigration laws. Anybody want to hear the word impeachment? So it's clear this is illegal. It's clear it's unconstitutional. It's clear people are suffering. That is, the people who've actually invested in these properties. And it's clear not everybody who rents has to choose between free rent and whether they live on the street. Too many people take advantage of these systems. They take advantage of our entitlement programs. Shouldn't it be called entitlement programs? They take advantage of unemployment insurance. We know $400 billion went down the toilet out of $1.9 trillion in the original COVID-19 bill. We know states and cities were complaining they needed to be bailed out. We gave them billions and billions, and now they have massive surpluses, and they had surpluses before. We're being ripped off so badly here. Completely. This is why I said, well, if the CDC has this kind of power, why isn't it issuing orders to secure the border? Given the number of illegal aliens coming into this country with all kinds of diseases, some of whom are sexual uh, predators, some of whom are terrorists, some of whom are part of MS-13 and other gangs, some of whom are part of cartels, and on and on and on. Where's the CDC there? Oh, apparently that's where their power is limited. This is why the American Marxist hates the Declaration of Independence and inalienable rights. This is why they hate the Constitution. It gets in the way. It gets in the way. We got all kinds of stuff we want to do. We want to help the people, don't you know? We want to keep track of them. We want to get data on them. We want to give them multiple opportunities to vote multiple times. We want to massively expand the welfare state for citizen and non-citizen alike. These people are destroying America, and that is their goal. Now, Jen Psaki at the White House briefing today... Cut 13, Mr. Producer, go. Is this a roll the dice and see if it gets challenged position from an administration that may be doing something it knows is not on legal standing? Well, the president would not have supported moving forward with any action where he wasn't, didn't feel there was uh, legal standing and legal support. All right, let's stop right there. Legal standing has nothing to do with whether or not somebody thinks what they're doing is illegal. This isn't a standing question. Biden revealed exactly what he was doing yesterday as he mumbled through. He said that we can't extend this moratorium indefinitely. Imagine if they could, by the way. The property values and all the people going bankrupt and all the banks going under as a result of this. These fools tried this, I guess it was in the 70s, and I think Cuomo was the head of HUD at the time, under Clinton, I guess it was the 90s, excuse me, where they destroyed the entire banking system and they destroyed the entire mortgage market remember that they don't learn they're stupid and of course they're ideologues what happens when you destroy the ability of a landlord to pay their bills is you destroy the ability of having apartments places for anybody to live you're destroying private property rights you're destroying the whole the whole notion of commerce You've created impossible conditions for both the landlord and the tenant. 
And the landlords can't even keep up their properties because they're not, they're not able to evict people who, be, who have become effectively squatters, who think they have a right to live for no, in these locations for nothing. People are getting checks for not working. They're getting unemployment checks for not working. We're massively expanding the amount of money people get, depending on the number of children they have. I mean, money is flying out of this country so fast, it's not even funny. They're not keeping track of it. And then people can't pay their rent. Why not? We have 9.1 million jobs that have yet to be filled. Why not? Because people don't want to take jobs that are available to them? I mean, let's talk turkey here. Let's be honest with ourselves. And so now we have an administration that is utterly lawless, that is defying a Supreme Court decision. Go ahead. We obviously don't control what the courts do. Uh, and we, we have, uh, of course, seen what the Supreme Court uh, decided and how they ruled, which was not related to public health, as you well know, Kelly, and was related to. Hey, the- idiot. The Supreme Court ruled that the CDC does not have the power to write laws, let alone control the real estate market. It's a health organization. And so this is what the American Marxist wants to do, ladies and gentlemen, whether it's climate, whether it's health, among other things. They want to be able to use these, these nomenclatures, if you will, in order to exercise this iron-fisted power. They don't have this power. And by the way, the scary thing is the decision was five to four. Five to four. They don't have this power. Go ahead. Between the landlord and the renter. Uh, But this is different in that it is more targeted. Uh, It is focused on counties with higher substantial. It, 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 It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're defying the court. It doesn't matter. All you slugs out there who claim to be journalists, all of you lying, corrupt slugs out there who pretend to be journalists and you phony media corporations you should be ashamed of yourselves you're incapable of it i understand your propaganda mills here you have a president specifically defying uh, defying the supreme court he's trying to he's trying to wait it out so the law has to catch up with him because they know the court's not meeting until october 1 the court already said this is unconstitutional you can do it for a bit, little bit longer, but after that, you need legislation. The Democrats control the Congress, but apparently they don't control it enough. But when do these freebies end, ladies and gentlemen? Do people actually think they're going to be able to live rent-free forever? Or get extended unemployment insurance forever? Or get massively expanded welfare payments under the Bernie Sanders human infrastructure bill, another $5.5 trillion? That this can keep going on? I said a few weeks ago on Hannity, and I'll be on Hannity tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, that the Democrats, surely in the House, are going to get their asses kicked in the off-year election, excuse me, in the, uh, in the next cycle, the next election. You just can't keep treating red-blooded Americans this way. Let's go to cut 14, please. Go. Well, what's your 
your message to progressives who say they're worried that President Biden's concerns about the constitutionality of this move will end up being a self-fulfilling prophecy and motivate opponents to go ahead and file Now, let, let's just stop a second. You see where the media are on this? So the Marxists want to be called progressives, so they call them progressives. What is progressive? Talib, Omar, Ayakh, Bush, and the other fools? They're progressive. They're Marxists. Why don't these reporters speak the truth? Why don't they use the language? Why don't they say what is correct? They are Hamas-supporting, Castro-supporting, Communist-China-supporting. They are Marxists. That's exactly what they are. Marxists. American Marxists. And then she quotes them. She's advocating for them. They represent a tiny percentage of the population. But they, but they manage to devour and control so much of the culture when people aren't paying attention. Go ahead. Oh, I would first say the president shares their desire, their commitment, uh, and their interest in keeping uh, renters and uh, people in their homes. But you're not ultimately going to keep them in their apartments. Folks, when you strangle the golden goose, the golden goose ceases to lay golden eggs. When you attack private property, when you attack people, middle class people, who need the rent to pay their mortgage or to own the home, these are the vast majority of the people we're talking about. You are choking the golden goose. These people will have nowhere to live. What then? The government should nationalize all the homes and all the apartments? You know, societies have been here before. But for the American Marxists, they're slow learners. They're ideologues. And so they advance this. But don't worry. President Biden's very concerned about renters, which is why he's driving up the price of food, driving up the price of gasoline, driving up the price of, of energy, driving up the price of automobiles. He's very concerned about the average person out there, which is why he sides with the, the uh, monstrous teacher unions against the students and the children. Very concerned about the average American out there, which is why the borders open with floods of illegal aliens coming in, overwhelming school districts and health care systems and law enforcement and bringing in diseases. But don't worry, Joe Biden cares about the average guy very, very much. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, Chuck Schumer is running scared. Uh, he's afraid of. Uh, he thinks Cory Bush is swell. And uh, he praises her for the eviction moratorium extension. Now, she's a Marxist, you understand. Cut 15, go. Congresswoman Bush has known this through her own experience. And she took her passion and converted it into effective action. A salute to her. It's a moment of history. I salute to her? You mean you salute her? All right, go ahead. It's a moment of history? This is a moment of history? You dimwitted buffoon? Go ahead. You can get things done. For four nights, she slept on the steps of the Capitol, drawing attention to this issue in a way we rarely see. A lot of homeless people do that, and they don't get anything done. But she slept on the steps of the Capitol. 
Honestly, Mr. Producer, I had no idea she slept on the steps of the Capitol, did you? Nobody did. Except this schmuck. Go ahead. ...of Congress. She made yesterday's announcement possible. So... So she's responsible for violating federal law. So here's Schumer applauding a Marxist who hates America, who in my view is an anti-Semite, praising her because she led the way, according to him, to defying the Supreme Court and breaking federal law. Go ahead with Congresswoman Bush and the Americans who joined her in her righteous cause. And it's a righteous cause not to pay your rent. Did you know this? Can somebody please explain something to me? How did the Republicans not destroy the Democrats in these elections? You know, it's, uh, the truth is it's because of, of, of inarticulate, incoherent, marble mouths like Mitch McConnell. And then he's got this guy Thune right behind him who is like a cartoon character. Guy never stands for anything. Guy's like eight feet, three inches tall. Stands for nothing, this guy. Thune. He knows how to play the game in Washington. Where you get these rhinos like this clown Cassidy from Louisiana. It's just, it's just appalling that they're not running circles around these fools. Not running circles around these fools. The Republicans can't even make their case. The only case they ever made was trashing Donald Trump. Donald Trump knew how to take these fools on every minute of every day. That's why they hated him. Twitter. Oh, you see what he tweeted? Excuse me. Did you hear what Talib said? Well, Talib, what do you want? She's a progressive. Do you hear what Cory Bush had said on CNN today about Mark McCloskey? The McCloskeys were pardoned. They shouldn't have had to been pardoned. The corrupt DA in St. Louis, another hack, another Soros hack. That guy should be dragged in front of something, that's for sure, and deposed and unraveled and whatever. Cut 16, go. You were actually among the marchers who encountered the McCloskeys that day. Mark McCloskey at the uh, Republican convention called you the Marxist liberal activist leading the mob through our neighborhood. What is your reaction to this pardon. It is absolutely unbelievable. There are other people that should, that there are pardons that we have been asking for, pardons that actually should happen in Missouri, and that was not one. Ah, shut up, you idiot. I don't even know why these fools put you on TV. But they, they present you and Ayah and other Marxists that says, ooh, and by the way, good for McCluskey. He called her out. A Marxist. That's exactly what this buffoon is. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, Liberties, General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now. At 877-381-3811. Early in the program, I told you we ought to play the clip from March 26, 2020, when Elaine Healy called our program. She was and is a medical administrator and director at a nursing home. And she pointed out what would become infamous, which is memorandum dated March 25, 2020, from uh, Andrew Cuomo, Howard Zucker, Sally Dreslin. 
That is the leadership of the state of New York in addressing the coronavirus. Again, this is March 26, 2020. Go. Elaine, New Rochelle, New York, the great WABC. Go. Now, that's the epi of epicenters. Go ahead. Yes, hello. Thank you very much for taking mm -hmm. my call. Um, I wanted to bring to your attention and the listeners' attention uh, what is about to happen in New York uh, with respect to nursing homes. And uh, the governor has ordered that all nursing homes must accept uh, COVID-positive patients that are actually uh, potentially still infectious into, um, into their facilities. And this will um, put our residents, our long-term care population. Wait, 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 wait. Are you, is this, are you pulling my leg seriously? No. Why would you send somebody who has this virus into a population that can kill people? Thank you. No, no, are well, you serious? I'm, I'm, I am serious. Well why, well, why would he order this? I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Memo, well, because, because the hospitals, well, first of all, in, you know, I will point out that nursing homes are in the habit of accepting patients from hospitals to continue their care after their... They may be in the habit, but they must realize now that the most vulnerable people among us are senior citizens. And nursing homes, these are people that have issues. And so I'm trying to understand the point of this. What is the point of this? I'm looking at a directive from Andrew Cuomo and Howard Zucker dated March 25th that is ordering nursing homes. It says nursing homes must comply with the expedited receipt of residents uh, from hospitals. They are deemed appropriate to go into the nursing homes by the hospitals, and we cannot discriminate based on the presence of COVID. And that's it. And that's how he's been managing this crisis. He has been dictating. He's been sending out memorandum and orders and executive orders. And there has been no coordination uh, on the ground level. Here I'm speaking from Westchester and New Rochelle. Just uh, we, we had the first COVID positive right. case in New York. And uh, we were, uh, for a time, the epicenter. And now, of course, it's shifted a little south of us. But... Um, Basically, as you know, the hospitals are overwhelmed. They want to discharge patients somewhere else so they can take in new patients. And um, that's what the governor has ordered. Now, our um, National Association of Nursing Home Medical Directors, uh, when I sent this memorandum uh, to them, uh, has issued a statement saying that this is extremely dangerous unsafe, that it will increase the risk of transmission in nursing homes. And we all learned from Washington how catastrophic that is. Um, it will uh, destabilize the facilities, uh, potentially increase the flow back into hospitals, overwhelm capacity, endanger healthcare personnel, and escalate the death rate. So, um, but you can't get through to anybody down here. Uh, you can't you can't talk to anybody. We don't, we don't have support. There's nobody coordinating the response at this level, at, at certainly at the county level. And I know from my prior. Have, life, have you have you given this information to local media? That's why I'm calling you. But I'm not local and media. Yes. Have you given yes. this information on, to information? These reporters show up at these press events uh, where Cuomo does these, uh, you know, kind of dance 
song and dance moves there, always demanding that somebody else do something else. This needs to be in the hands of a reporter who is at that conference in Albany and reads it to him and asks him how he can explain this. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, it's not my line of work, but I got it to, uh, we got this information to the Wall Street Journal who published uh, something today. So that's the first thing, uh, first time we've got it out to the media. And, you know, it's not what we generally so, do. So in other words, it's available for all these cable stars and all these uh, reporters at the uh, New York Daily News and the New York Times and the rest of them. They know it's out there. Well, if they read that article, I don't know who else picked up on the story. We, we got it. It was published today in the Wall Street Journal, one article. So um, now, now our executive um, organization, the executive director, in, this afternoon issued the statement, uh, you know, stating that our organization was against this. If, if we wanted to find that, do you know where, where would we go to find the link? I can send it to you, but it's uh, it's the American Medical Directors Association. It has a uh, a longer um, name that I'll give you in a moment, and I'm sure it's on its website. You might have to be a member to get it, but we we can get it to you uh, through our executive director. Um, the, it's the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. Just, just go on my Facebook site and post it. Post the link. Okay. All right. Mark Levin yes. Show Facebook or Mark Levin Show Twitter, either one. Yeah, and then the, and then the and whole we'll, country can look at it and draw conclusions from it. And I just want to say, if I could, you know, nursing homes and the and people that work at nursing homes are are such a dedicated group of professionals. Oh yes, yes. And, and we really want to help. But so you're a doctor. I'm a medical director. I'm a physician medical and medical director. I'm both. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm an administrative medical director plus a, you know, a clinician. Okay. And um, our, our home is a wonderful facility. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to affect all area nursing homes any minute now. Well, and, if, this is, if this is right, this is exactly the wrong thing that, you're, that he's doing. Yeah, I mean, understand, and he's, he's backed himself into a corner here. And, and all of this should have been planned out, as I believe you. Uh, you I've talked about it over and over and over again that, look, you can never be fully prepared for these things, but you could be better prepared. <clears throat> and since these things are really, the states want to control their hospitals, their beds, their ventilators, their MRIs, their CTs, their uh, medical institutions and so forth, and they do. And so the question is, he's been there some time now, why didn't he at least prioritize uh, health services in case there's a pandemic? He was aware of it. There's been reports put out that New York is uh, sorely unprepared. He's had opportunities to, uh, to order significantly more beds and ventilators over the years, but he hasn't done it. He hasn't. Not only that, he's closed. I mean, in my neighborhood. And you're telling me you can't even get to him. Oh, we can't get to anybody. You can't get to anybody. There's supposed to be somebody at the county level. Oh, wait a minute. He keeps putting out phone numbers and websites during his press conferences. You are the medical director of a nursing home. This order goes out, and you can't reach anybody. You can't reach anybody. And, and not only that, there's supposed to be someone at the county level that's mm -hmm. coordinating. Let's say, I mean, I, it is not a good I only idea. have 30 seconds. All right. Uh, there's no coordination of the response here in Westchester. It's just a series of directives. He's behaving like a dictator. 
uh, executive director's orders. For well, he wanted Department. Trump to nationalize businesses. All right, I'm live now. Turns out all that heavy breathing of mine, later we found out I had pneumonia. Remember that, Mr. Producer? I'm sucking air here. I can't. And in any event, we did follow up with Elaine. She was and is terrific. Uh, we thought this would get the nation's attention. And I seem to recall even saying back then, Mr. Producer, where the hell is everybody? Where the hell is everybody in radio? Where's the hell everybody on cable TV? Where are they? This is a big deal. I had her on for eight or nine minutes, right up to the, uh, to the end of the program. And we posted on my website this memo, which wasn't supposed to go out to the whole world, but there it is. This isn't the smoking gun. This is the gun with the hollow point bullets in it. And the New York Times didn't say squat. And the media didn't say squat. There are some stories raising some questions, but really nothing significant. Nothing significant. And he's not the only one. There are at least five other Democrat governors, Newsom, Whitmer, Pritzker, uh, the doofus in New Jersey, whatever, Murphy, Wolf, Pennsylvania, other notorious types. It did exactly the same thing and cost a lot of people their lives. And it's so damnable because their children and grandchildren couldn't even comfort them in the last moments of their lives. They weren't allowed into the hospitals, into the rooms. Shameful. Absolutely shameful. This is why there should have been pressure on Cuomo to resign. This is why he should have been impeached. And then when it comes to allegations of sexual molestation, Tara Reid's allegation against Joe Biden is more severe than anything the 11 women have said. And I make no excuses for Cuomo. None whatsoever. He's a pig. But how is it that Tara Reid's allegations didn't receive the same kind of investigative attention? Because she accused Joe Biden of molesting her. What would be defined today as rape. And other than honestly, I'm just being credit where credit's due, other than Mika Brzezinski, nobody had a chance, or nobody was allowed, I suppose, to really question Biden, and nobody really wanted to. The Praetorian Guard Biden media that had access to him just accepted what he said. And then you had organizations like Politico going out and interviewing 74 women who Biden worked with, 62 of whom, uh, 12 of whom didn't come forward. 62 have said he was the swellest boss ever to work for. So they're building the case against Tara Reid. Okay. Well, they're not Tara Reid. What does that mean? Well, there are no other examples, but there may be one example. And one example of what she accused him of is enough. While she's accused of stealing money from a nonprofit charity, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Whatever happened to believing what the woman says? At least conducting an investigation. But the media were so hot on trying to destroy Donald Trump and drag this dumb bastard, uh, this, uh, this guy into the presidency. 
That's all that mattered to them. Just keep something in mind. The media are evil. Evil. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Reminder, I'll be on Hannity in a half hour, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Reminder, please jump in. We can use all your help for your kids and grandkids. Supply them all with copies of American Marxism. They're all going to go to college and high school with all kinds of textbooks and so forth. Well, give them your own textbook. You're going to be paying for all those textbooks, right? You pay through your tax dollars for the textbooks they get in high school. You pay through... Uh, other means uh, for the books they get in colleges and universities. This book, $16.80, and it's going to be more important than any of the other books they get. Any of the other books they get. You go on Amazon and grab them or any of these retail stores. I just think it's a very, very worthwhile investment in your kid because this is the antidote to what they're going to be uh, brainwashed with. This is the antidote. I really believe it strongly. So I have in front of me the memo. We saved it. It's been, you know, deleted uh, by the government of uh, New York uh, that we tracked down and that uh, Elaine Healy, the medical director of the nursing home that we, you heard speak, uh, provided to us. And uh, it was dated March 25, 2020, to nursing home administrators, directors of nursing, hospital discharge planners, New York State Department of Health. And among other things, it says hospital discharge planning staff and nursing homes should carefully review this guidance with all staff directly involved in resident admission, transfer, and discharges. During this global health emergency, all nursing homes must comply with the expedited receipt of residents returning from hospitals to nursing homes. Residents are deemed appropriate for return to a nursing home upon a determination by the hospital physician or designee that the resident is medically stable for return. It goes on to say, no resident shall be denied readmission or admission to the nursing home solely based on a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. Nursing homes are prohibited from requiring a hospitalized resident who is determined medically stable to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. So this is a death warrant. That's what this is. This is a directive from Cuomo and his medical fascists, that you are to take these people back or admit them newly. Whether they have COVID-19 or not, you are not to test them to determine whether they have COVID-19 or not. You are prohibited as a matter of state directive from doing so. If they're stable and they have COVID-19, you take them back. If you don't know whether they have COVID-19, you take them back. This contributed hugely to the death toll of senior citizens in nursing homes across the country. Ron DeSantis said no, so of course they try to destroy him, but it won't work. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all of you patriots. Thank you for acquiring American Marxism. We need more of you. We need your help. And I will see you on Hannity in 30 minutes. God bless. <laughs> 